Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. If you have your Bibles with you, um, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to read one passage, and we're going to be looking at this chapter, and I know I've touched on it in the, in the last year. I, I know uh, we've gone through this, but I want to focus in on, on one verse in particular. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, from, and from such people turn away. Uh, so this form of godliness, having a form of godliness, uh, uh, an appearance of reverence, of respect, of uh, piety towards God, uh, acknowledging God uh, to a certain extent, there's an outward appearance of that having a form of godliness, but, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So, this last part of this verse is uh, a conclusion of the verses before this, including verse the beginning part of verse 5. Uh, tonight, I, I'm just putting a, a title on this, some instruction or instructions for perilous times. For dangerous times. Perilous means dangerous times. So from verse 1, and, and as I mentioned earlier, we will, I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on, on verse 5. I, I don't want to get bogged down too much in the rest of it, but um, I do want to just quickly go over uh, some instruction for perilous times. The first point that I want to make is that perilous times will come in the last days. In fact, perilous times are already here. Uh, we are living in perilous times. And it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. And then it goes into uh, a list. And I would almost say, let this list be a maybe a, a thing of warning or check a checklist for for you as an individual. Lord, that I would not get caught up in these things. So it goes through a whole list of items here that will be prevalent and it is already prevalent now. And I would almost, almost say that these things are not just signs that are out there in the world, but would also be creeping into the church and even into the believer's life. Or those that would say, hey, yeah, but I am a Christian. So it goes through this list. And, and I, once again, I'm not going to bog down too much on this. I might give a, a point here or there. But it says, for men will be lovers of themselves. So it's about self. It's all about me. It's what I'm going through, what I'm having, uh, or what I want, what I desire. It's about me. So a very self-centered existence. It's all about me. Lovers of themselves. Lovers, not just of themselves, but lovers of money. Uh, the, the King James, I think the King James Version, this is the new King James Version, the King James Version says covetous, which would go a little bit past the things of specifically of money, but more so of material things or things that, well, this is what I want. I want this. I need this. I got to have this. 
And it doesn't necessarily mean for those that are rich. It's also for those that may not have much. Well, I need this and I want that. I got to have this. Lovers or covetous of things of this, this world. I, you know what? Sometimes you, you this last uh, few weeks, there's been, people have been moving. They've had to move distance, a distance away, and recognizing they can't take it with them. They can't take everything with them. So in the process of moving, it's like, well, I really don't need that. I don't got room for that. This is, I got to get rid of. And so there's a, a, a letting go and getting rid of items. And you recognize as we accumulate things like, wow, I've got so much stuff that is unnecessary. If I had to leave or go, whatever, I see, I'm not taking that along with me. And so many th items that, that in the, when the Lord comes back, it's like we're not taking anything with us. We're not taking anything with us. And there's this covetousness that is even prevalent at this time. Boasters. Proud. I guess a dependence on their own accomplishment, the accomplishment of self and of man, boasting, prideful, blasphemers. Part of that would be, I don't, maybe I don't blaspheme so much with my mouth as I do with the fact that I really, God, you're, you're, you're not necessary. Some of these things creeping, that they would not be creeping into our lives at this point. But this is how it will be in the last days, perilous times. And this behavior, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving. Uh, the, I think the King James, King James Version says, without natural affection there's no affection no natural affection there's a distorted affection i'll tell you if there's been a distortion uh we see a distortion when it comes to uh what god would prescribe as love uh and how we should love one another and love our spouse and, and all of that there's a distorting of that at this time yeah wow I just I heard a song the other last this past week from those that are godless. This is just a we don't really mean what we're saying, but yet with every statement they were meaning exactly what they were saying and it was for a lack of a better word sickening. Sickening. An attack an open attack on our children. Not good. And in a song. Unforgiving. Cannot forgive. Slanderers. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So that, that verse that I started with, having a form of godliness, 
but denying its power. This thing of godliness, how we get to a place of godliness and denying the power of, of how we would even get to that place. And we'll, we'll come back to this a little bit in a little bit. It says in verse, in the second part of verse 5, it says, and from such people turn away. I find that there is this thing in Psalm 1 where it says, blessed is a man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. There's a progression in Psalm chapter 1 of, of walking, standing, and sitting with the ungodly, with the sinner, with the scornful. And the Lord is saying, blessed is not that individual that is, is in that company. For those that especially would say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a godly person. From such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always something new, but not able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. Learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to knowledge of the fact that it is in him and through him that we have life. Now, Janice and Jambres resisted Moses. You wonder, who are these individuals? And theologians, if you do a search for this, uh, you won't have those names come up except for here. But uh, they figure that it was, it was the names of the magicians or sorcerers who withstood Moses and exercised satanic power until stopped by God uh, as Moses came into the presence of Pharaoh and he cast down uh, his rod and it turned into a serpent. And these two other cast down their, their rods and they changed into serpents as well. And, and then the serpent, uh, the staff of Moses basically took in and, and consumed these two other snakes, this one serpent. And so apparently uh, in some writings, uh, these names are mentioned around that incident. So they, re they attempted to resist Moses. So do these also resist the truth. Those that would try to creep in and tr into households and to lead people astray and lead according to the flesh. I mentioned this just the other, I think it might have been in the last week or so. That I had a pastor mention to me that, that two parts of our existence, our being, are, have to do with what we feel. What we feel. And so the comment that was to me from a pastor was saying, we need, because we are body, soul, and spirit, 
the body and the soul are need to be catered to to the felt needs of the flesh and the soul that can be persuaded by the flesh i it's like i can't believe what i'm hearing right now because paul writes and and we have in the word of god that when it comes to our flesh our flesh is contrary to the spirit there should in fact not be a catering to the flesh but a crucifying of the flesh there's there's to be a putting down of the old man the old nature in fact that's something that we be battle daily just so you know daily it says daily taking up the cross we deny ourselves daily taking up the cross following Jesus if we're going to be his disciples and this daily thing of the cross it is about our flesh being crucified and so there's I, I I couldn't believe as I heard this this thing of well you know what we need to cater to the the, the felt the flesh needs of the of the individual That our flesh would be put down our flesh would be put down and so there's a, a this this thing of the truth of who Jesus Christ is the knowledge of the truth always learning never able to come to the knowledge of the truth which is Jesus Christ what he did for us so Janice and Jambres or Jambres resisted Moses and so do these also resist the truth the word of God Jesus Christ men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith there's a twisting there's a turning or there's a neglecting of the things of the faith in Jesus Christ but they will progress no further for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was in the end they will be stopped that we would not be caught up listen listen to what the next number of verses say and sort of to expand on this this leading astray it says but you have carefully followed my doctrine Paul is saying this to Timothy you have followed carefully followed my doctrine my manner of life my purpose faith long-suffering love perseverance persecutions afflictions which happened to me at Antioch at Iconium and at Lystra we're talking major persecutions that were endured by Paul in these places even as the the word of God was preached and as people got saved there was major persecution and it says and out of them all the Lord delivered me by his spirit the Holy Spirit there's a deliverance the Lord will see us through so this thing of carefully following his doctrine and I Paul in all of his writings talks so much about our faith and he talks about if you know nothing else 
I was determined you would know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was his doctrine. That's what he stood in. That was his foundation. What is your foundation? If your foundation is some, somewhere else, if your faith is somewhere else, you will falter. I will falter if I shift off of that foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. To follow Paul's doctrine is to follow and have that foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. To the point where he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in this body, in this flesh, by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Praise God. If we desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer per persecution. We do not have to be afraid. As, as he said, the Lord delivered him out of them all, all the persecutions. And so this second part of 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Galatians 5, verse 11 Paul writes, and I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? How come I'm suffering persecution? If it's just for I'm persecuted because I'm preaching circumcision, that's not it. It is because of the offense of the cross. It says, then the offense of the cross has ceased. And the point... Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. If you have your Bibles with you, um, I want you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I want to read one passage, and we're going to be looking at this chapter, and I know I've touched on it in the, in the last year. I, I know uh, we've gone through this, but I want to focus in on, on one verse in particular. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 5. Uh, it says, having a form of godliness, but denying its power, from, and from such people turn away. Uh, so this form of godliness, having a form of godliness, uh, uh, an appearance of reverence, of respect, of uh, piety towards God, uh, acknowledging God uh, to a certain extent, there's an outward appearance of that having a form of godliness, but, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. So, this last part of this verse is uh, a conclusion of the verses before this, including verse the beginning part of verse 5. Uh, tonight, I, I'm just putting a, a title on this, some instruction or instructions for perilous times. For dangerous times. Perilous means dangerous times. So from verse 1, and, and as I mentioned earlier, we will, I'm going to be focusing a little bit more on, on verse 5. I, I don't want to get bogged down too much in the rest of it, but um, I do want to just quickly go over uh, some instruction for perilous times. The first point that I want to make is that perilous times will come in the last days. In fact, perilous times are already here. Uh, we are living in perilous times. And it says, but know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. 
And then it goes into uh, a list. And I would almost say, let this list be a maybe a, a thing of warning or check a checklist for for you as an individual. Lord, that I would not get caught up in these things. So it goes through a whole list of items here that will be prevalent and it is already prevalent now. And I would almost, almost say that these things are not just signs that are out there in the world, but would also be creeping into the church and even into the believer's life. Or those that would say, hey, yeah, but I am a Christian. So it goes through this list, and, and I, once again, I'm not going to bog down too much on this. I might give a, a point here or there. But it says, for men will be lovers of themselves. So it's about self. It's all about me. It's what I'm going through, what I'm having, uh, or what I want, what I desire. It's about me. So a very self-centered existence. It's all about me. Lovers of themselves. Lovers, not just of themselves, but lovers of money. Uh, the, the King James, I think the King James Version, this is the new King James Version, the King James Version says covetous, which would go a little bit past the things of specifically of money, but more so of material things or things that, well, this is what I want. I want this. Or I need this. I got to have this. And it doesn't necessarily mean for those that are rich. It's also for those that may not have much. Well, I need this and I want that. I got to have this. Lovers or covetous of things of this, this world. I, you know what? Sometimes you, you this last uh, few weeks, there's been, people have been moving. They've had to move distance, a distance away, and recognizing they can't take it with them. They can't take everything with them. So in the process of moving, it's like, well, I really don't need that. I don't got room for that. This is, I got to get rid of. And so there's a, a, a letting go and getting rid of items. And you recognize as we accumulate things like, wow, I've got so much stuff that is unnecessary. If I had to leave or go, whatever, I see, I'm not taking that along with me. And so many th items that, that in the, when the Lord comes back, it's like we're not taking anything with us. We're not taking anything with us. And there's this covetousness that is even prevalent at this time. Boasters. Proud. I guess a dependence on their own accomplishment, the accomplishment of self and of man, boasting, prideful, blasphemers. Part of that would be, I don't, maybe I don't blaspheme so much with my mouth as I do with the fact that I really, God, you're, you're, you're not necessary. Some of these things creeping, that they would not be creeping into our lives at this point. But this is how it will be in the last days, perilous times, and this behavior. 
disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving. Uh, the, I think the King James, King James Version says, without natural affection. There's no affection, no natural affection. There's a distorted affection. I'll tell you, if there's been a distortion, uh, we see a distortion when it comes to uh, what God would prescribe as love uh, and how we should love one another and love our spouse. And, and all of that, there's a distorting of that at this time. Yeah. Wow. I just, I heard a song the other last this past week from those that are godless. This is just a, we don't really mean what we're saying, but yet with every statement, they were meaning exactly what they were saying. And it was, for a lack of a better word, sickening. Sickening. An attack, an open attack on our children. Not good. And in a song. Unforgiving. Cannot forgive. Slanders. Without self-control. Brutal. Despisers of good. Traitors. Headstrong. Haughty. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. So that verse that I started with, having a form of godliness, but denying its power. This thing of godliness, how we get to a place of godliness and denying the power of, of how we would even get to that place. And we'll, we'll come back to this a little bit in a little bit. It says in verse, in the second part of verse 5, it says, and from such people turn away. I find that there is this thing in Psalm 1 where it says, blessed is a man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. There's a progression in Psalm chapter 1 of, of walking, standing, and sitting with the ungodly, with the sinner, with the scornful. And the Lord is saying, blessed is not that individual that is, is in that company. For those that especially would say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a godly person. From such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Always something new, but not able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. Learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to knowledge of the fact that it is in him and through him that we have life. Now, Janice and Jambres resisted Moses. You wonder, who are these individuals? And theologians, if you do a search for this, uh, you won't have those names come up except for here. But uh, they figure that it was, it was the names 
of the magicians or sorcerers who withstood Moses and exercised satanic power until stopped by God uh, as Moses came into the presence of Pharaoh and he cast down uh, his rod and it turned into a serpent. And these two other cast down their, their rods and they changed into serpents as well. And, and then the serpent, uh, the staff of Moses basically took in and, and consumed these two other snakes, this one serpent. And so apparently uh, in some writings, uh, these names are mentioned around that incident. So they, they attempted to resist Moses. So do these also resist the truth. Those that would try to creep in and tr into households and to lead people astray and lead according to the flesh. I mentioned this just the other, I think it might have been in the last week or so, that I had a pastor mention to me that, that two parts of our existence, our being, are, have to do with what we feel, what we feel. And so the comment that was to me from a pastor was saying, we need, because we are body, soul, and spirit, the body and the soul are, need to be catered to, to the felt needs of the flesh and the soul that can be persuaded by the flesh. I was like, I can't believe what I'm hearing right now because Paul writes, and, and we have in the word of God, that when it comes to our flesh, our flesh is contrary to the spirit. There should, in fact, not be a catering to the flesh, but a crucifying of the flesh. There's, there's to be a putting down of the old man, the old nature. In fact, that's something that we, we battle daily. Just so you know, daily, it says daily taking up the cross. We deny ourselves daily taking up the cross following Jesus, if we're going to be his disciples. And this daily thing of the cross, it is about our flesh being crucified. And so there's, I, I, I couldn't believe as I heard this, this thing of, well, you know what, we need to cater to the, the, the felt, the flesh needs of the, of the individual. that our flesh would be put down. Our flesh would be put down. And so there's a, a, this, this thing of the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the knowledge of the truth. Always learning, never able to come to the knowledge of the truth, which is Jesus Christ, what he did for us. So Janice and Jambres or Jambres resisted Moses and so do these also resist the truth, the word of God, Jesus Christ, 
men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith. There's a twisting, there's a turning, or there's a neglecting of the things of the faith in Jesus Christ. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. In the end, they will be stopped, that we would not be caught up. Listen. Listen to what the next number of verses say, and sort of to expand on this, this leading astray. It says, but you have carefully followed my doctrine. Paul is saying this to Timothy. You have followed, carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra. We're talking major persecutions that were endured by Paul in these places, even as the, the word of God was preached and as people got saved, there was major persecution. And it says, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. By his spirit, the Holy Spirit, there's a deliverance. The Lord will see us through. So this thing of carefully following his doctrine. And I, Paul, in all of his writings, talks so much about our faith. And he talks about, if you know nothing else, I was determined you would know nothing else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. That was his doctrine. That's what he stood in. That was his foundation. What is your foundation? If your foundation is some, somewhere else, if your faith is somewhere else, you will falter. I will falter if I shift off of that foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. To follow Paul's doctrine is to follow and have that foundation of Jesus Christ and him crucified. To the point where he says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live in this body, in this flesh, by faith in the Son of God who gave himself for me. Praise God. If we desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, we will suffer per persecution. We do not have to be afraid as, as he said, the Lord delivered him out of them all, all the persecutions. And so this second part of 2 Timothy 3, 12 says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Galatians 5, verse 11, Paul writes, And I, brethren, if I still preach circumcision, why do I still suffer persecution? How come I'm suffering persecution? If it's just for I'm persecuted because I'm preaching circumcision, that's not it. It is because of the offense of the cross. It says, then the offense of the cross has ceased. And the point that he's making here is the, the reason that we do suffer persecution is because we do cling to the cross of Christ. And there's a persecution as a result of it. There's this warning of not being deceived by evil men and imposters or those. An imposter is somebody claimed to be something that they are not. 
an imposter. They claim to be godly men of God, women of God. And there's a deception that takes place. It says, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Some knowing that what they're doing is, is false and a deception. They know it. And others not knowing that what they are projecting or spe uh, speaking is off and is a deception because they themselves have been deceived. I don't know what's worse. I think, well, obviously, both are bad. To purposely deceive somebody, saying that you're, hey, send your money, you know, sell your house, give, give, plant a seed. And there's a, a I heard of one individual, great revival taking place. Found out afterwards there was an exposing as this supposed man of God said, hey, we're just doing this great revival and left his wife and went off with his, his secretary during the revival. The revival came to a quick end. But along with that, my, uh, my dad had a relative that worked for this individual and had been let go as they had gone to this man of supposed man of God and said, hey, uh, there are literally tens of thousands of dollars, hundreds of thousands of dollars coming in. And you are, there is a, a misappropriation of finances. There, is, there are monies that are being used not in the right way. They were let go. Deceiving and being deceived. And there were people, apostles that stood on the stage with that individual and said, this revival will continue on and God will expand and go globally and God will use you powerfully. And within weeks, everything shut down. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's very simple. If there's not a preaching of the message of the cross, if there's no mention of the blood, if there's no mention of sin or very little, uh, there's no solution. If there's no mention of the cross, there is no, there is no solution to sin. Today I, I, I came across as I, I plunked in a, I, I said, hey, Siri, where, where's the scripture that talks about without the shedding of blood, there is no remission? There's no forgiveness of sins. Anyways, it turned out to be Hebrews 9, verse 22. And I don't know who this individual was because it came up. Siri brought up this individual that basically says that uh, the blood of Jesus Christ was not meant to take care of our sins. And it was almost like a putting away of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Like it really was, it was for something else. But it, it, and it was like, 
the thing that separates us from God is sin. In 1 John 1, verse 7, it says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. And we can stand and come into the presence of God because of his blood that was shed for us. Listen, that is not the message that the imposters will preach. That is not the message of an evil person that claims to be a man of God. They will not preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. They will not preach the blood. If you are listening to somebody and there is never a mention, check, is this person really following the things of God? Is this person perhaps an imposter? If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sin. The sacrifice, the, the, the thing that takes care of our sin, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world, even as anybody would believe on Jesus Christ, that we would not be deceived in these last days by imposters. Some instruction for these perilous times. In verse 14, 2 Timothy 3.14 says, But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Know the individual that is teaching you. Know them, not just YouTube. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen, you hearing the Word of God, you reading the Word of God, does not benefit you in any way if you don't do the Word of God. You know, when I, when I give spiritual advice and guidance and instruction from the word of the Lord, oftentimes I'll say, you know what? Who cares what my opinion is? This is what the word of God says regarding your situation. Do it and you will have life. As you do it, you have protection, you have covering, you have life. I have people, they get upset at times with the instruction of the word of God. I don't understand, but I do know this. That as you are opposed to the word of God, you will not be completed. You will not be equipped for every good work. The word of God is a beautiful, powerful thing. So this form of godliness, but denying its power. Just quickly. The one, two areas that we, we can receive power. And the one that I mention again and again. Where is the power of God coming through? Galatians 3, 5 says, Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit. So, in the Spirit of God, as the Holy Spirit would come upon us, there is an empowering of us. 
But he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And so Paul writes here, he's saying, it is not by you being a, your faith being in yourself to keep the law that the Holy Spirit functions it's, or comes and is supplied to you. It is by the hearing of faith. Now, the verses that go before that, Galatians 3, verse 1, Paul is very specific on what your faith should be in. He says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? It's a, and it's, it's a question. He says, is that not how, was that not presented to you right from the beginning? Was Jesus Christ and him crucified? He was portrayed to you as crucified. This is where the power of the Holy Spirit comes from. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Are you trying to attempt to keep the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? You got saved because of faith. Are you now being made perfect by the flesh by your efforts? Are you being perfected by your efforts? It's another rhetorical question. He's saying absolutely not. We are not being made perfect by our flesh and what we can do in our own strength. It is by the Spirit. So having begun the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So once again, it's a rhetorical question. He's saying, of course, it is by the hearing of faith. The hearing of faith. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 1, he says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. So it's by faith and the portrayal of Jesus Christ, you grab a hold of that, that the power of the Holy Spirit is available to you. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Being saved today. My faith is in Jesus Christ and what he did for me on the cross. So the power comes through the portrayal and the faith being in Jesus Christ and him crucified. Hallelujah. And the message of the cross as we grab a hold of it, is to those that are being saved, it is the power of God, and not just the power of God, it is the wisdom of God by the Holy Spirit. The power and wisdom of, of God by the Holy Spirit as our faith is in Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1.23 says, But we preach Christ crucified. That's what, who we preach. To the Jews, a stumbling block, and to the Greeks, foolishness. But to those who are called, whether you're a Jew or a Greek, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. So we have access to the power of the Holy Spirit by faith in Jesus Christ and Him crucified, that your faith would be there daily, and the Holy Spirit is supplied to you. The wisdom and the power of God made available to you. It's by faith that we overcome and the Holy Spirit shows up. The Holy Spirit comes 
even as we have the attack from this world. For whatever is born of God overcomes this world. So for the believer in Jesus Christ, our faith is in him, what he did for us. We overcome the world. And this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. 1 John 5, verse 4. And then Paul begins to expand on this in verses 6 and on. So he expands. Who is the Son of God, this Jesus? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. By water and blood, not only by water, representing his humanity, he was born physically. He was fully man, but by water and blood. And it was just not his coming and being here 2,000 years ago on this planet, but it's also by his blood. And we're not talking about the fact that he had physical blood coursing through him, but it was the fact that that blood was spilled, and it represents his death. So his life and his death it is the Spirit who bears witness or shows up to us. If, you're, if you have a witness, the witness is there. There's somebody right there. They see everything that's happening is right there. They're close by. So the Holy Spirit shows up because the Spirit is truth. It is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is truth. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. Listen, the Father, the Word, Jesus is the Word and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness on earth. The Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three agree as one. If you want the Holy Spirit to show up, you recognize the humanity of Jesus Christ, the fact that he came in the flesh 2,000 years ago, and you recognize his blood or the, his death, his shedding of blood for you, and you will have a bearing witness of the Holy Spirit coming to you in the situation you are in, in this world. If we receive the witness of men, man coming, the witness of God is greater. doesn't matter what man may say or do or whatever. The witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God which he has testified of his Son. He who believes in the Son of God has a witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him, Jesus, a liar. Let me read it again. He who believes in the Son of God has a witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him, or God, a liar. Because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life, and, that, and this life is in his Son. For who has, for he, or he who has the Son has life. He who does not have a Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. If you desire victory, if you desire the power of the Spirit, is to, to believe in Jesus Christ, his death or his life, and his death, his shedding of blood for us, and the Holy Spirit is made uh, available to you. Now, the other thing that I want to talk about for the next few minutes is this. Not only do we have the power that comes through the cross, but there is the power of the Holy Spirit that would come upon us as we 
are baptized by Jesus Christ, baptized into the Holy Spirit. When you are, when you become a believer, a brand new Christian, the Holy Spirit baptizes you into Christ. You are baptized into Christ. But in the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ baptizes you in the Holy Spirit. There's this, this outpouring and an infilling of the Holy Spirit upon us and the power of the Holy Spirit upon us that it goes be beyond what we would receive as a new believer, the earnest of the Spirit. It goes beyond that. And Jesus, the last thing that he said to us or said to his disciples was, he said, I want you to wait for the promise of the Father, you, which you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit none, not many days from now. Acts 1, verse 4 and 5. Verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And this end has to do with space, geographically, to the ends of the earth. It also has to do with, it's the word es eschatos, which has to do with time and the end of time, or the last. So, the Lord says here, this word, the end of the earth, that the Holy Spirit would come upon you, and you would receive power. You'd be endued with power, that we could be witnesses unto Jesus. We need to be a witness unto Jesus. And oftentimes, we, we, there's this idea of, I need to be a witness for Jesus, more importantly, we need to be a witness onto Jesus. It's a giving up of self totally to the Lord Jesus Christ. Truly a living sacrifice from Lord, I just give myself over to you. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us in that. Even as we come to Jesus Christ, fill me with your Holy Spirit. One of the aspects is, Lord that there would be a crucifying of the flesh, there would be a laying down of my life, that you would have complete control. You would have, that you would be Lord in my life, that your will would be accomplished in my life. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us to be a witness onto him wherever we go, wherever we are. A loving, Lord, I just love you with all my heart. And the Holy Spirit is there to help you. And as you love Jesus... One of the things will be that you will speak his or do his commands. And one of the commands that he gave was, of course, that we should go out and preach or make disciples. That we would be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit wants to help us not just in that, but in every single thing that we would do. The, the Holy Spirit is there to help us in the the baptism and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. That same spirit that was on Jesus would be on us. The, with, without measure. Not a limitation, not because, hey, I'm in charge, but there's a complete yielding. I, I, I go back to the example of water baptism. 
there is no forcing or coercion for those that are going to be baptized in a few weeks. There's not a, a, a coercing saying, well, you know what? Uh, if you don't get baptized, you can't be, you know, you can't be a member in this church. Or if you don't get baptized, this or that, there's some conditions. But there's a willingness on our part to acknowledge the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in a public manner in baptism. And so there's an allowing of the person that's being baptized to have the pastor baptize them in water willingly. And the same thing with the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus will never force you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But that we would come to Jesus, the one that baptizes us, and say, Jesus, here I am. Baptize me in your spirit. I want the power of your spirit upon me. I want there to be rivers of living water flowing through me. And the beautiful thing, when Jesus, when the, the spirit of God came upon him, he, he writes or he reads what was written 800 years prior or so, 700 years prior with Isaiah. 700 years before Christ came. Isaiah writes, and it says he found the place where it was written in the prophet Isaiah. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim or preach liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the accept acceptable year of the Lord. Apparently, it's, it's stated that on that particular day, the year of Jubilee began as Jesus read this and as ministry began, as Jesus began ministry here on this planet at the age of 30. The same spirit would be upon us. In a few moments, we're, we're going to come and we're, we're going to just pray, Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, I come to you. You are the one that baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I like what it says in Acts 2, 20, uh, 32. It says, this Jesus that you crucified, God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. We were there. We saw the crucifixion and we saw that he had been raised from the dead. We even saw that he had ascended. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this, which you now see and hear. This thing of the, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which you now see and hear, we recognize that Jesus is on the right hand of the Father. And he, is, he received the promise of the Father and he's pouring it out. And even to this day, that we would not have, we don't even have to tarry anymore. But even as we would come to Jesus, that we can receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Luke 11, verse 9, it says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for a bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? As you would come and ask of the Father. So I just I want to give 
a little bit of instruction because I think part of it is knowing, Lord, am I baptized in the Holy Spirit or not? On the day of Pentecost, when it had come, had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven uh, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. When I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, I mentioned this the other day, when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was, as I got filled, as I was filled, there was an unctioning, and I began to speak in other tongues. This sign, this initial sign, while Peter was still speaking these words, Acts 10, 44, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and even as they believed, it says, and those of the circumcision, the Jews who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles as well also. They didn't even have to wait. There was no tearing. The Holy Spirit came. They believed. And even as Peter was preaching, the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And they, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Lord. There is this, this sign of the Holy Spirit being upon them as they began to speak with tongues and magnify God. And here's an indication they had received the gift of the Holy Spirit for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. I just want to make a clarification here. The baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not taking possession of you. There is an unctioning for an utterance to be given, for goodness sake, open your mouth and begin to, to just praise God in another tongue, in another language. The Holy Spirit will not possess your tongue, but he will give an utterance or an unctioning to you to begin to speak forth in another language. You say, why tongues? There are so many benefits of tongues. I won't even get into it tonight. But there are so many benefits one of the ones that I really appreciated was the edifying of my inner man as I be began to speak in tongues on a regular basis. I speak in tongues. That's just one of many benefits of speaking in tongues. Another one is of warfare, spiritual warfare. The enemy hates when we speak in tongues as we do spiritual warfare. Another one is for our faith to be strengthened in Jude 420. Another one is that there's a refreshing that comes. There's a rest that comes to us as we speak in tongues. Isaiah 28, verse 11 and 12. There's so many blessings and benefits. There's a praise and worship. Other parts are just a worshiping unto the Lord in another language as your spirit, the Holy Spirit unctions your spirit and your spirit, our spirit, is, begins to worship the Lord. What a beautiful thing. And it's not confined to the limitations of the human mind. What my mind can conjure up. Can we just stand and, and if we would come and, and maybe you're filled with the Holy Spirit already, but you will come and just say, I stand in the gap for those that may be fearful, those that may be ignorant, those that, that, that for whatever reason, just 
they don't know, that you would come and stand and begin to intercede. Lord, let your spirit fall on me. So as you come, I just want to read this last uh, section from Acts chapter 19. From verse 1, it says, And it happened when Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. So they were believers, but they didn't even know about the Holy Spirit. And he said to them, Into what were you baptized? So they said, Into John's baptism, the baptism of repentance. And Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who came after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. There were 12 men, about 12 men in all. If we could come, come, and let's just begin to, to pray, F Holy Spirit, fall upon us. Fall upon our, our children. Fall upon our, our, our young, young people, our young adults. That there would be, let's intercede. Let there be a refreshing of us even as we would begin to pray in the Spirit. Listen, you don't have to tarry long. It says, as I read in Luke 11, you just have to ask of the promise of the Father, and he will give it. How much more will he give it to those that ask? So that we would that we would begin to intercede, Hallelujah! Can we just let's just begin with thanking the Lord together corporately? We would just thank Him corporately for the fact that we have life in Jesus. We have life in and through faith in His finished work for us on the cross two thousand years ago. Hallelujah! Hey, Lighthouse family, thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at LighthouseNiagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.